Hi, everyone, and welcome to Wisdom and Wonder. My name is Ann Jan, and I'm the host. Um, and today we are going to discuss um, art with Dr. Phil Irish. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited about this conversation. We're going to touch upon a lot of interesting and sometimes controversial topics, but uh, we are excited to have you here to join us. And um, could you just give us a little, I know, a little bit of a background of who you are, maybe how long you've worked at Redeemer? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Ann. Uh, yeah, so I, my name is Phil Irish. I'm an artist. Uh, I don't go by doctor. Oh, sorry. I refer to that all the I time. Know. Tricky, right? Because there's so many wise people here at Redeemer. All these doctors. <laughs> you even get doctor, doctor. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. Prof but, a professor then. Is that sure. What? Okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, the, re the reason why that's the case, right, is that I haven't done a PhD. What have I done? I have done years in the studio, right? So I have a master's. Okay. But my cred is that I make art that people want to look at and argue about. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's, that's the real cred as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Okay. Who, who am I? I don't know. Um, uh, I, yeah, I teach, I teach art at Redeemer, which involves both some theological aesthetic kind of things, but a whole lot of studio time of how do you make in this world? How are we going to make things well? What are we, so skills, but also metaphors and reading the culture, interpreting the culture, all these kind of things. Um, yeah, and I'm an artist, so I'm making work these days. I have a show coming up this fall in Toronto, uh, so working toward that. And um, I did my undergrad at Guelph and my master's at York University. And um, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a good intro, I think. Okay, this is the totally... I just want to know who is one of the artists that like you love like this is like one of your people that you just look up like wh whose art is like because i always like to know about mm -hmm. other like art mm -hmm. artists in like inspiration kind of right like there's so much that i feel like you're inspired by is there a specific person that you're like i love what they do or yeah no kidding right i i, I just had 50 or 60 things flash through my head it's a really hard <laughs> question to answer right it's true. so i mean in some ways i'm a painter's painter uh in some ways i love the um whole second half of the uh of the 1800s right like all of this great kind of realistic stuff and then like post-impressionist like color stuff and all these things I, I just love all of that uh and then i'm also just a very contemporary um person right so uh, you, you know a, a good example the first category might be someone like Manet, right and then um yeah i mean i i find that picasso is super interesting um he had so many ideas he had a different idea every day that he didn't solve that many things so it's really cool as an artist to look back at what he did okay. and say oh like he started that but you know what that idea goes somewhere and he never took it there so um some artists are just like mines of potential so anyway there's there's, there's a couple things. okay great thank you um those, those are kind of obvious big names but yeah yeah fair. Maybe, our, maybe our listeners can picture them yeah that's true um yeah i guess one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on and is because i had this class of, i took aesthetics and we got into a very heated uh debate um 
because aesthetics class is basically half philosophy students and half art students. It's a very interesting mix. Mm, I've heard uh, stories about that class, I think. <laughs> yes, you probably have. Um, I, I think it. I, I think it's one of those classes that's like a. It's a nice way to like kind of merge two different disciplines and to see some, to see the world through a different perspective. I find that really helpful because people mm. who think about. I think the projects of art and philosophy are very different things. And I think sometimes philosophy majors think that their project is the most important project. Um, I'm not saying, I'm saying that as a philosophy major, so I'm allowed to critique my own self. I feel like that's fair. <laughs> but I think there is an element, um, what art is trying to do is not the same. It's definitely not the same thing. They don't have the same motivations and the way that they see the world is often um, different. So there's overlap for sure. But yeah. so one of the questions that was brought up is talking about nudity in art, because that was a hot topic and people had a lot of feelings and a lot of ideas around it, opinions. Um, so, yeah, I kind of wanted to like hear. So I know at Redeemer, you there is like uh, figure drawings of like of nude models and, you know, people have maybe critiqued that as maybe unbiblical or um, seen it. I, I, I kind of polled people. I was like, what do you think about this? Tell me what your th thoughts are. I like asked random students, I mean, like that I knew. And was like, you know, and it's a mixed, mixed bag. Some people were like, yeah, it's really fine. I don't have an issue with it. And some people were like, pulled out Corinthians and were like, this is definitely not okay. And someone went so far. I actually had a student, this was wild to me. Um, that said something along the lines of like I wouldn't even go into a museum that had new I was like whoa okay well that's all classical art um so yeah you get definitely have I've had different sure. <laughs> different sure. responses uh yeah. and I just kind of wanted to know like in your experience what sort of line of argumentation do people typically that bring forward because this is something that like you have had to think about um, yourself and so like what kind of like what's the other side like tell me the other side and then tell me your response to that side if that makes sense or like maybe the most yeah, compelling sure. we'll, we'll, we'll give that yeah. we'll give that a shot I mean a, a lot of times it's just a sense of um, propriety right it's just like uh, I've taught to be modest you know there are verses in the Bible about being modest with yourself is this an immodest thing okay you know maybe maybe um, the body is for marriage. So maybe this is stretching that and does that diminish the sacredness of the body for marriage? Okay. So that, that would be one line. Um, it, it, yeah. And I mean, we can, we can kind of move. I actually just received an essay last semester okay. from a very serious student. I don't know if I should do a name shout out, but anyway, <laughs> um, who wrote an essay on why she thinks it's wrong. Okay. Um, and so it's probably the, um, best argument on this topic I've ever had. Okay. Okay. So let's good, hear it. good, good for her. Yeah. Uh, but basically she would say that, uh, looking at the representations of the body in scripture after the fall, right. That they are usually almost always, uh, associated with either something's going wrong or it's a metaphor for our fallenness and it's associated with shame. Mm. And so, um, and you know, when we get to heaven, we get some radiant garment, right? So paintings of a bunch of naked people in heaven, maybe is not the image we get from revelation. So, so that, that would be her argument okay. that, that it is, uh, for marriage 
Mm. And that we, so, you know, example, you might say, well, you know, what about the Song of Songs? Right. And she'd say, well, maybe that's marriage. So, um, so that was her argument. Right. Yeah. That, and what, what yeah. I appreciate about her argument is that, oh, oh, and she also talked about what it meant to be clothed. So what I appreciate about her argument is she paid attention to the uh, visual imagery of scripture like across the canon okay, and looking at how does this kind of imagery function and what, you know, how might we apply that? So kudos to her for paying attention. Yeah. That's really, and she just emailed it to you or. Oh no, no, no. This is for class. Oh, it was, she was in one of your classes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, yeah. wow, this is like extra work. Like this person. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, no, I, was... I was like, you know what? You guys aren't being like feisty enough. You know, like some years, like these really feisty people that want to argue and like, here's my thing. Mm. And you know, they could be like super like, pushing the boundaries or, or super yeah. whatever. And so, yeah, she came up to me and said, yeah, I'm about to get feisty. Right. I need to critique your program. So uh, yeah, kudos to her. Yeah. Yeah. She, she got a high mark. Okay. Um, and sort of like maybe, I guess maybe what was your response to that? Like, what would you be response to the students? So like people bring this forward. Why do you think maybe she's incorrect in her assumptions or in her argument, or maybe you don't, or yeah, I, mean, okay. I, I think a lot of people don't understand uh, what a life class is like. Okay. Right? Like what, what even is going on? So people have a picture in their head, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you, you know, you might hear like, Oh, you know, does this tie into pornography? Yeah. Right. Or, you know, these, these kind of things. Yep. And my experience is that is very, very far from what's going on. In fact, I would say that my experience in a life class counteracts counteracts what that is right counteracts pornography it's actually the opposite okay um how, like which how is, which, is, which is why i you know i think christians should do this okay I, so i'm gonna say i think that the discipline of life drawing is beneficial to christians and if they have any interest in drawing they should try it that okay. it is actually a spiritual practice okay yeah and, and, and like, so maybe elaborate, like, how do you, how do you find it like to be like a spiritual practice? Like kind of break that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to think about context, right? We have okay, different yeah. contexts where you think about bodies in different ways, right? right so sure. I'm not saying like everyone should run around a demon without their clothes on, right? <laughs> it's not what we're talking about. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we have other settings where, yeah. you know, like, so I'm at the, I'm at the pool and I'm showering and there are different yeah. people in this, in whatever, right? Like there are different contexts that have codes. Yeah. And rules that keep us respectful. Right. So, okay. So you, you mentioned, uh, I think that, you know, the body's a temple. Yeah. I mean, that is part to me of figure drawing, right? Because, okay. So, so how does it, how does it work? You're, you're, you're in a group of people. Um, I have very rarely been with a model alone. Okay. I once hired a model for a certain project. You know, another, another question, but yeah. How do you set guards around mm -hmm. it so that people are having holy thoughts, right? right? Like, how do you, how do you do as well? Uh, yeah. So, you know, there's a model, um, the model arrives with a robe on, right? You're not watching someone undress. I mean, you're not like these things that people find titillating, right? Like, right. It's not about that. It's professional. Um, you're with other people. There's probably some instructor telling you, I mean, in our case, uh, you know, how many heads tall is, you know, measure, Me yeah. measure that body, right? Yeah. So you're, you're working hard. Yeah, it is. It is serious discipline, right? Um, but the the wonder to me it is 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 you know here is 
a person made in the image of God who is being vulnerable with me for a limited period of time, and I need to respond, and the clock is running. Right. So I need to be alive, paying attention right now to this gift that someone's offering me that's never going to happen again. It's beautiful. You are very alive in that setting. And you have a challenge, and it's honoring, right? Ask any model, that, yeah. I mean, anyone that models, they do not feel sexualized. Okay. They feel honored. And it changes, actually, how they think of their own body. And it changes how we think of our own body. Because we are honoring, not just, oh, like, okay, I walk in the mall, and there's like a, like a 10 by 13 foot banner in the mall of a... Uh, someone who looks to be like 15 years old, I don't know who she is, but, and yeah. she's wearing lingerie and she's got bedroom eyes and all this business is going on, right? Yeah. Now that is commerce. Yeah. It's manipulation. Sexualized. We encounter that all the time. Right. Well, how do you fight against that? Right. And so now people think, oh, nude body. Like everyone immediately is like, oh, it's sex. Yeah. Well, maybe it's not. Right. So... Um, you know, do, do I, do I feel things in the, in a model session? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about like, what, what can a body mean? Right. Yeah. So Adam and Eve, you have, you have innocence, right? You have joyful innocence. Do I see that sometimes? Right. Uh, or I have like an elderly model who's frail and vulnerable. And I'm thinking about the human condition, right? I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about my own death. I'm drawing, meditating on my own death. Right. What does it mean to empathize with this person? And they're holding a pose, which is tough. They're working. Yeah. So there's empathy, right? Or uh, it can be, yeah, it can be about, uh, you know, a, a critique of things in our culture. You know, things will come up and it'll remind you, and oh, like this, this body looks like stretched and I'm thinking about Israel and Palestine or whatever. Mm. Now, if that person wears a bikini, then every student's drawing is of the beach. Right. And a bikini is designed to be erotic. All of them. Even the, even the modest ones. Whereas, if the person is naked, here's another one. What about nakedness also means fragile vulnerability before God. Hmm. So you might be making a prayerful drawing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's so many, there's so many meanings that, that come pouring in as you work that are gone. If you're wearing some goofy bikini, uh, but also like, um, and of course we, we, I'm saying bikini, but we do men and women. Yeah. Um, we do different races. We do different ages. We do different right. body types. Right. So, yeah. Which is completely different. I think than like, when you think about, when we think about, uh, pornography, yeah. Like, I mean, not Absolutely. that there isn't lots of, I don't know, but Absolutely. there is, typically, it's like there's a very, there's a look, it's this, yeah. it's that. Like, yeah. right, like you Absolutely. know, like, we all know what yeah. we're, when I say that, what I mean. Yeah. So, like, I think there's an element of, like... So, so let me yeah. say this. People carry shame in their body hmm. for no reason. I, I, like, I'm talking, I'm not talking about, like, oh, there's a sinful behavior and there's guilt. Yeah. Okay. Guilt is like guilt before God for doing something that's like not in like kingdom values, right? Right. Shame is culturally put on us. You can't even be forgiven for it. It just hangs over you. Right. And like, it's a curse. And people have it just for looking different 
Right. So if you spend time and you, okay, here's a story. I don't know. We're, we're, we're going to go way over time here. It's all great. It's good. Yeah. Okay. Here, here is the exhibition. Okay. The student work that caused this whole kerfuffle. Okay. And it's totally on point. So a number of years ago, it's probably the first time I taught figure drawing. And we didn't have nude models at that point. We had, and how, how we even got in, anyway, there's all kinds of stories about the history of the department mm. before me, because, you know, I'm going to shake things up. Yeah. But um, the final assignment in figure drawing is to do a self-portrait, life-size. You have to draw yourself life-size. Now, you don't have to be nude. Although, when I was in university, I did it nude because we had to. Okay. Yeah, think about that. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, you know, but you have to think about your clothing. Like what, what, like everything, nothing is neutral. No position is neutral. How you're sitting right now is not neutral. Like it says something about you, you know, my bad posture says something about me. Um, so yeah. So like, what's the gesture? What's the clothes, right? What are you going to do? Yeah. So Maggie DeBrun did herself in dancer tights and a sport bra. And let's say she was a little larger. Okay. So she had some beautiful folds of skin and she did this drawing and her face was basically blanched out into the white of the paper because she wanted to focus on her body okay and what she learned was that as she drew her folds she realized they were the funnest thing she'd ever drawn she's like there's shadows there's curves this is amazing there's light i love this this is great so, I mean, the reason she drew herself as a dancer is because she loves to dance. She feels most free and in her body when she's dancing. She also feels horrible because when she's in a dance group and everyone's got these slinky outfits, she can't fit them. So she feels maximum joy and maximum shame while she's dancing. So she does this drawing. And it, it, she realized how God loves her mm. by doing the drawing. Then she also realized something else. I'm going to do my senior show trying to give this gift to other people. So she did seven, eight, I don't remember, life-size drawings of Redeemer students, one not Redeemer student. They were naked. They posed like Botticelli's Venus. So very modest. Hand over breasts, hand over yeah. genital. And um, beside each drawing was a statement from that person about their understanding of their body and their struggle with their body and their faith about their body. <sighs> amazing, right? Stunningly amazing. Beautifully drawn. Super powerful. Uh, her, ex her redemptive experience in the studio, she found a way to share that with her friends. and They found a way to share that with the school. It was taken down after one day. So, yeah, so interesting. So, mm -hmm. you know, so it was controversial. And um, people freaked out. Uh, but we now have a policy at the school that supports that kind of work. Because, um, well, you know, I was naive. I was a younger instructor. I didn't kind of think through what steps does it take for the school to be able to defend this in the public eye and with their stakeholders and with everybody. Right. I was a little like, oh, you know, I can I can give them press release notice. Right. In a couple of weeks we can 
whatever. But no, no. Now we have policies that support these kind of practices because because we want to flourish, right? We want to. Art is risky. Some people will be offended. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I mean, but you know, you find you find ways that you can reach the people that need to be reached, and you can um, make space for people that shouldn't see it. You know, like you, you find ways to do it. Um, so we want to be respectful of everybody. Right. Um, but to me, that was a story of, you know, go so far to say is healing on her part. And then how does the community get involved with that? What happens privately in the studio? How can you take that in a public and respectful way? Um, you know, she was so articulate about the whole thing, about her faith, mm. about um, this impact on her. and It was uh, truly remarkable. Yeah, that is a really, that's a really actually beautiful story. Thank you for like sharing. I feel like I was like with you the whole time. I feel mm -hmm. like I was, I really got into that. Um, so thank you for sharing that story. Uh, it's very powerful. I, I think um, this is also a question that I didn't necessarily prepare, but I'm sorry, I keep here. this isn't reminding you of other things. So I, yeah, I just am going we're, with it. We're on uh, a roll. <laughs> how do you think? I, and I think potentially this is something that we talk a lot about in when we're in English. Um, I think maybe some of the issue that people have around uh, the female body, especially, is something to do with the male gaze. And I think there's something that people kind of are like, is 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 having a, a person like especially a female body because it is mm, typically sure. that's the one that's the most controversial. It's, it's, it's you know, because it before, before before um, let's say eighteen hundred, it was always the male body. Okay. Right. So that's interesting. That like, is interesting. Why, why does that why does that change? And also the meanings of it change, right? I mean, you think of about Renaissance art. Yeah. Right. Think about classical Greece and Rome. It's the male body. And even Michelangelo, who. Um, well, I mean, that's another story, but yeah. he, he, uh, he wasn't that interested in women. So even his women are male models, right? Ah, stick some breasts on, make them up. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, anyway, the, the, the question around this is very interesting. And it, it's, you know, it's tied to modernism. It's tied to, it's tied to um, um, secularization. It's, you know, it's, it's tied to all kinds of things. Um, you know, how does the modernist male gaze impose itself on women through the process of abstraction, like the history of abstraction in a women's body? Fascinating. Is, uh, I feel like that title. I'm like, man, okay, give me some book recommendations. I'd read it. <laughs> actually, actually, there is. Oh man, I'm going to forget the name of the book. But there's this great book in our library that has okay. a chapter on that exact question. Okay. Um, so. Uh -oh. You think of it. Uh oh, footnotes, <laughs> footnotes later. Yeah. It's fine. It's 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 a winner. Okay. Um, uh, so yeah, but yeah, the, the, the male gaze. So right now I have a class of figure drawers. So this class comes up every second year. So it happened when you were in that aesthetics class. So everyone's yeah. all like hot on this topic. And now I'm running this class again. So let's just do a podcast and get everyone wound up. Um, but as I say, you know, you shouldn't be wound up. You should just, but everyone in the class is female. Okay. So male gaze is an interesting topic. Okay. So the... um, I'm the only male in the room. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah. Interesting, right? Um, so that's that's weird. Do you feel um, like there's been a shift to art being more dominated by females than males? Or women you... are taking over culture. They're going to own it. <laughs> yep. Men, men can go and like 
make widgets and like like tech tech stuff but no i don't know i mean it's 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 true at redeemer i have fewer male students now than i used to okay and um it's true at every art school in the country um mm. so museums and galleries and culture and designers are it's all women are going to rule okay well yeah it's kind of cool because i feel like there's like uh, well i do I think it's it's interesting because it's such a shift from what historically has been the case. Mm -hmm. Like, like that this is like such a moment, and there's some part of you that's like, um, but I do think the fact that we've been created male and female, you do. I think you lose something when you. I think this is why equality is so important. I think you lose something when you just have one voice, and I think having there's such a uh, such a like complementary yeah, like yeah, they work yeah. so well in pairing Absolutely. and so there's they like should be they should mm -hmm. be together and so there's so like let yeah me, let me say this my fear at redeemer is that uh families don't raise their kids to think culture is important and that um that art is important i mean i i see this and so the guys go into other things because they are having trouble justifying in their subculture, in their Christian subculture, that this art is important. Okay. So I think that the divide being stronger at Redeemer is a distortion and we should address it. Yeah. Culture is critical. Are we going to shape culture? Are we going to pass? This is another thing about drawing the bodies, right? Yeah. If we remove ourselves from being able to address the body well as Christians, we avoid the topic because it makes us squeamish. That means we've removed ourselves from the cultural conversation around what does it mean to have a body and how should a body be treated? Mm. So you end up with people who can only draw like anime bodies. Right. Lord have mercy. <laughs> I mean, I'm not against anime, but the real, the real anime artists... They did figure drawing. Yeah. Okay. If you're drawing anime based on anime based on anime, you have nothing new to say. Right? Learn to draw and learn to draw the body and address the body. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. So there is a cultural role for us that's important. And it means not being uh, squeamish. Yeah. Get in. That's so interesting because I feel like I'm paralleling you in the way of like why I started the podcast. It was kind of a similar a feeling like... We, we can't have a dialogue. Like, I felt like I started this because I was like, we can't talk about things. I feel like in the wider culture, it's so hard. It's everything feels loaded. Everything feels political. Some of it for good reason. But there is a level of like, I was like, I don't, people don't feel comfortable to talk about things. And how mm -hmm. will you get to, how you change anyone's mind if you're not allowed to talk about it? Like, this yeah. is like, this is 101. Like, how are you going to, even if you have the wrong idea, like maybe I do. Yeah. How, like, but, yeah, but like if I have the wrong idea and I can't, and I never express it, it will never change because I'll just like hold it and maybe mm -hmm. talk to people exactly like me. Mm -hmm. We'll be like, yeah, your idea is right. And I was like, well, that sounds, I mean, this is the philosophy can be like, well, you know, you got to challenge yourself because otherwise you might, you might be wrong. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that idea of, and then I was like, well, how do Christians talk to each other about controversial things? How are we doing it better? And I was like, oh, we're not. We're, whoa, hold the phone. Mm -hmm. And so there was a level of like, yeah. let's try to do it better. Let's try to model something that's really Christ-like. We're on the same side. We're working for Christ's kingdom. We, as on heaven, in heaven as it is here on earth. Like if that's what we so strongly believe as Christians, then let's like 
try to bring unity. I was like, well, like, if we don't have hope, who else has hope? Like, I was like, we just got to like, yeah. there is that element. So I think there was like that same feeling of like, we need to do this because otherwise someone else is going to do it. And then that's going to be dictated as like, and right now I'm like, okay, I'm looking at culture, talk, like our own culture talking. And I'm like, uh, I don't want to be like that. Yeah, exactly. Let's do a better, better job. Yeah. And, and you're right. The trying stuff is part of it, which is also the great thing for the art department. Right. It's like, like, just go fail. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like try stuff, like yeah. take a risk, you know? And, and, and we have to offer each other grace as we yeah. do that. Um, yeah. You know, like we have, don't, don't let people like spy on your freedom. Right. I mean, that's, that's Paul. Yeah. Right? You, you've got freedom. Use it. How will you head to foot? Like yeah. live big. Don't, don't be over cautious. I mean, yes. Like, okay. Critique sin, like run, yeah. run, run from like, yes. But at the same time, there are a lot of things people are afraid of that aren't, that they shouldn't be. Right. Like, yeah. Is it, is it beneficial? Okay. Let's talk. Yeah. Right. Got freedom. Use it. Yeah. That's a really, yeah, a very, I, do you think that this past year, like I was thinking when you were saying about how you were saying that, that they were not taking enough risks. Do you think that our culture, or maybe this is like a very, this is more of a bigger question. I'm so sorry. I've like lost the script on this, but I apologize. <laughs> I like you set four questions and I've like yeah. not asked one of them. Yeah, um, yeah. But do you and think. And keeps raising his fingers running out of time. <laughs> um, sometimes I feel like that's the best though, like the unscripted stuff. You're just like, oh, that's so good. Let me follow this. Um, do you think that like that is something that our culture is creating? Like people aren't able to take risks or it's like creating like maybe less risk taking or is that like a trend you're noticing? Like, or is that just like specific years? Like how? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I mean, um, the, in the wider culture, there might be kinds of risk taking that we don't love. Um, but actually, you know, you, you talk to sociologists and they're like, uh, the whole, you know, COVID made teenagers incredibly risk averse, mm. right? Like all kinds of life development, independent things that, you know, I don't know, you'll have, you'll, you'll have to get, uh, Marie Good on to talk about that. I know. Next, next podcast. I, get, we should, Marie I, Good going on that. I know. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure what it yeah. is, um, but I think I think I think art is just a wonderful uh, exemplar on how we can do this. And you know, the work we look at it gives you permission. Okay, like what is the best way to communicate this? Uh, keep it keep it open. Yeah. So, yeah. I yeah. I think. I, I, I think you think about all the people who like the great artists, there is such an element of risk. It's like, you know, you have to be like, you put your heart into it, but like how many mm -hmm. things did they not okay, never okay. see the hey, light of day? Let's, 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 yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, right. Failure is part of design, right? Yeah. yeah you work it through, you re, you know, doing your iterations. Uh, I've read some books about art in the biblical narrative. And there's some that I hate. So these might emphasize the first two chapters of Genesis. And then they might jump to like Revelation. Mm. And it's like, okay, so you have these kind of ideal scenarios of these like beautiful moments or whatever, you know, in, in Revelation, like the, the things of the, of the world are being brought into the heavenly city, right? So they, great, Rembrandt's gonna be rescued. Can't wait to see that. You know, like this, this kind of idea of, okay, that the best of culture 
uh, is going to be like uh, lifted up and, and expanded upon and whatever, like all this great stuff. Okay, cool. I love that. Like, what about like, uh, you know, some prophet lying on his side naked for three years with a vat of boiling goo, right? Tipped on an angle. And all his neighbors are walking by like, what? What is with Ezekiel this time? Like, this, this guy is not so. It's like, yeah, he's not so. And he's trying to wake you up. And he has to like risk alienation in his community by doing some crazy stuff. Mm. And that is, I mean, that's gospel. We're not supposed to be normal. Yeah. We're not supposed to conform to the pattern of this world, right? Like, take a risk. Yeah. Like, there's a lot at stake. Or, you know, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to bury my underwear. I'm going to dig it up later. It's all dirty. And I'm going to walk into town and I'm going to shake it and say, this is you. Right? Like, <laughs> prophets didn't whack stuff. That's so true. And, and so, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Is, is what we do in the life room like ordinary behavior? No. It's behavior for a certain context that makes sense. But ordinary behavior doesn't really rule the day. Like, read the Bible. Like, weird stuff happens. Yeah. For a reason. Yeah. And, and we need to be part of that. I mean, this is partly where we get our vocabulary from. Right? It's like, yeah, oh, just crazy imagery. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, that's so. That's a good point about the prophets. I yeah, there's so many yeah. examples like Hosea. You're like, wow, God, you really want him to marry a prostitute? Like, you just sort of feel like you're like this. Imagine if like it just it's so. I feel like sometimes there's like a level of I don't know what. Mm-hmm. of like cleaning up the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like it's like when you read the kid version, mm-hmm. right? Like it's like when you read the kids. Like my kids have like a, and I mean, for good reason, not everything needs to be told to a two-year-old. It's fine. Right. There's a time and a place and a context. And I think that's important, but I do think there's a level of like, sometimes it's like, let's clean this up a little bit. Let's not talk about like what yeah. the, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, here's this, here's this uh, woman that was killed and we're going to chop her body up and deliver the parts of her body all around the country. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's troubling. It's troubling. Yeah, it's so troubling. <laughs> but, but, I mean, that's, that's, that's some imagery that sticks in your head. Mm-hmm. And it communicates. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, really, that's really fascinating. Um, I'm just, I really want to take it to this question because I want to talk about the Arctic <laughs> so badly. Yeah, and let's I, do it. Okay, let's do it. so let's, let's talk on. about your, okay. let's talk about your art because I feel like the Arctic is so beautiful and i i have read a good amount of novels set in the arctic for some reason i don't know why it just it's it's mythic yeah Yeah, and and like the the vast quiet empty like i just feel like there's something about me that's like oh i want to go to the arctic um (laughs) see even when i say it you kind of are like there's a sacred kind of ground to it um so tell us about it like what was what was the idea why did you decide to do this yeah so i mean artists get to do research in some cool ways so one way is to do something called a residency, which means that you leave your home studio and end up in a studio maybe somewhere else. And you might do it to get um, certain materials or to be in a place to research something or to be with different kinds of people. Um, so this past summer, uh, I spent three weeks on the archipelago of Svalbard, which is mm, not really Norway, but run by Norway. It's a set of islands way up in the Arctic Circle east of Greenland, north of Norway. Okay. And I spent one week in the only real town, 2,000 people, uh, called Longyearbyen. And then I spent two weeks on a sailing ship uh, with 30 artists and 
you know, some expedition crew and, you know, hospitality people and all that. Um, so yeah, so pretty, uh, how many cabins were there? I don't know, maybe, maybe 16 little kind of crammed in little spaces to sleep, right? With two per, oh, I guess the staff, I, I didn't see them, but anyway, yeah. I forget how many people there were all together. Let's say 46. Okay. Um, but yeah, with the sails and you're going over the ocean and, and uh, you wake up in the morning and you're 300 feet from a glacier and you just look out and you can feel the cold breeze coming off and you can hear the little tinkling of ice and then every once in a while a bigger, you know, not like a huge calving, although we did see one that was epic. But usually it's just like, oh yeah, just this thing is alive and moving and it's moving down the hill, moving into the water. Things are changing, it's breathing, it has its own atmosphere. And you're spending time in these amazing places that no one ever really gets to go. Um, and you're with a whole bunch of really smart people and you have no internet access. So no one can like check facts in an argument. You're just like, we all have, we all have expertise and you're relying on the people around you and you're also just in the moment because this is extraordinary. So, um, you know, and I, you know, I'm a painter. Um, I was kind of doing a mix of painting and photography on my project and, but you know, other people were doing weird stuff. So there was like these guys with sound equipment that they would drop under the ocean and you could hear things and they were always trying to get whales and it was, you know, kind of didn't. And then one morning we're waking up we're a bit behind schedule because something slowed us down and these belugas come around the corner and they just keep coming they're in like little groups of four and they just keep coming and there's like hundreds of them and they drop their sound equipment over the edge so we're hearing them sing right so belugas are like the songbirds of the ocean so they're all like chirping whistling doing their little thing and we're like hearing them broadcast so they broadcast it Right, they hooked up their sound system and then plugged it through. Like this is traveling with artists, right? It's wow. Like, everyone has ideas. Everyone's creating. Everyone has a different project. So yeah. So you're like lying on the netting that goes out to the bow. You know, the bow mast at the front, the front of the ship. So you're you're lying on this netting, looking down at a beluga swimming by, and you're hearing it in the speakers. Absolutely nuts. Um, yeah, so it was great. That sounds so cool. Yeah. That's like yourself. I'm sold. <laughs> I'm like, I want to do that. Yeah, to totally, totally once in a lifetime thing. Oh yeah. And so, from from that experience, like, wh like what, like the, when you came back, like what was you? What's the project you're kind of building from? Totally. Yeah. So I, I actually, um, because I teach a lot, got to teach a bit less somehow, but um, I really wanted to make something there. Mm. because time is life is short and I love being on the chase. So most people there were just kind of like researching stuff and whatever. Um, I took a series of photographs that are going to be digitally kind of worked with that are going to become part of the show in the fall. Um, I painted animals. So I did paintings of Arctic animals uh, and then cut them out. So I have little cutouts. They're really kind of cute. Um, obsessing about these particular creatures. And then I had a wooden frame, like a, what a artist might stretch a canvas on, uh, on a tripod. And I would pin the animals to that and then shoot the landscape through the frame. So I have the frame, which, you know, it's kind of like your worldview, mm -hmm. right? You're looking through something. You don't just see it straight. You're looking through your frame of reference. And then all these beautiful undulating animals that are flickering in the wind and moving and shaking. But then behind it is the glacier or the 
the ocean or the, the mountain or whatever it is. Um, so I'm placing the creatures that maybe I wanted to see, but no, I didn't see them all. Saw yeah. a bunch though. People, yeah. people thought I was a prophet. It's like, wait, last night you painted the walrus and today we're seeing walrus. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you, you know it. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, but it's this relationship between um, what's human made, what's natural, mm. what's human creativity, what's God's creativity. Yeah. Uh, what do we long to see? Also, what's disappearing, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I've documented these animals, but you know, they're in trouble honestly, right? Deeply. Um, I'm documenting the ice, but we in 30 years, is that glacier going to be there? Right. So all of that is very pressing and urgent. And, um, you know, the struggle of it, right? Like I'm maybe, maybe it is raining, freezing rain. And I'm out there with my camera and the tripod and trying to make this thing work. And all the animals are fluttering around and I can't, I can't, you know, I'm struggling to get, so that struggle is also part of it, which is, an interesting layer. Right. Um, so I think they mean a lot. I think they're going to be powerful. Um, I've shared kind of test versions of them. So um, you can put a link to a couple of those. Yeah, sure. But um, they're going to get um, refined and printed out at a bigger scale. And um, yeah, I'm thrilled. That's Yeah, that's so interesting when you think about the natural world and... I, I think that the thing that I often think about is how I think there's an element of, and we were talking about the Industrial Revolution, this is a total tangent, I'm so sorry, but here we go, about how it really disrupted the harmony. Yeah, we have to be, it disrupted the harmony of um, like us in some ways. Obviously, there's always been issues between humans and the natural world. It's mm-hmm. a nature, mm-hmm. like it's a, it's a fall issue. It's, you know, greed and everything that you want to like a lot of the vices of exploitation and but i think there's this element of like i um how in a in our modern world how do people feel connected to the natural world is such a interesting and often like i sometimes even think to myself like i like go through my day i'm like did i go outside today or did i notice when i went outside today like there's Mm -hmm. such a like that element of I don't know, disconnect or just like we can all, everything that I can get can come to my house now. I can get my groceries delivered. I can get my things I need delivered. I don't need to go anywhere. I don't need to see people. I don't need to see nature. I can just exist in some sort of like. Complete alienation. Yeah. It's, and it's like, and obviously we can, there's like so many of the sociologists, we need to have them on because they're, they have a whole bunch to say about this. But I do think like that piece when you're talking it like, almost like filled me with longing of like, what would that like feeling of like just every day waking up and like seeing the natural world and being part of it in mm-hmm. a, just mm-hmm. a really specific way. It just sounds so, I don't know. I tell like almost like, not that it's like you, you talk about like so, the rain and like I, I've been camping. I know that's not all like, say, you, you should, you gotta, you gotta book a canoe trip, like yeah. no cars. You need to get out there. I'm, I'm feeling, this is my diagnosis for you. <laughs> I know. Um, and I mean, that's, that's, and that's a kind of practice that, I, you know, that I love that I do with my family and, powerful yeah um uh but yeah to, to be able to be in a place where the uh fluctuation of climate change is so visible mm. right because we pre- we pretend or oh forest fire i don't know uh it's it's happening and so to be there with a bunch of people that are sensitive to that was extremely moving mm. um yeah 
you, you, you know, so there are these um, uh, caribou and they're small Arctic caribou and they don't know, they don't herd. They just wander around because they have no predator. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I mean, the other, only other mammal is the Arctic uh, fox, you know. So there's a, these, these, these caribou are pretty chill. But what's happened, you see, is that they're getting more snow than they used to because they're getting more rain, because things are warming up. So you think, more snow, great, climate change, who cares? It's going to be fine. They're going to have to, no. No, what happens is they're getting more snow because things are warming. So Atlantic rainish things are getting this area of the Arctic. Um, they're getting more snow, which means it buries the food that the caribou usually eat, which means that they're by the shore eating seaweed, which means polar bears are having a field day. Mm. You have a bunch of naive caribou that have never had a predator, and they are quick lunch because the polar bears are hungry. The polar bears are supposed to be out in the ice eating seal, but the ice isn't there. So the polar bears come to shore and go, oh, look, caribou. It's not so, gonna run. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so this whole, the, whole, the whole system mm. is uh, malfunctioning because of us. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm excited because I'm having Dr. Brower on and talk, we're going to talk, uh, we're going to talk about some climate change, environmental stuff. So I'm yeah, excited. Um, yeah. I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I just took the book at a library or I'm about to, it's called Saving Us. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. No, I've read that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to kind of talk about that because it's another yeah, controversial topic. So um, then the art question is how can you, so if the science yeah. makes people go blurry eyed, mm -hmm. what is the role of art? Like how do you communicate this in a way that isn't despondent? Yeah. but actually raises awareness and maybe motivates people. Now, I, I mean, my, my, this project is subtle and nuanced and all that, whatever. Yeah. I'm not making propaganda at all. Um, but it is, it is a good question. Like art has a role in shaping how we conceive of ourselves in the world mm -hmm. um, that does a different kind of work than the scientist. I almost would argue it's like not to say that we need the scientists 100 percent, but I almost yeah. feel like I have been most moved by art as opposed to yeah, like course. reading. Like it's like, yeah, I could read a science yeah. textbook and it could say climate change is happening. But when I like see like it's like when you watch like yeah. either like David Attenborough, like, you know, talking about this like beautiful landscape, like disappearing, you're like, oh, shoot, so gorgeous. I want my kids to have that. Like yeah. I want them to be able to see these animals. I want to have the world where like we we're not exploiting and we're not taking more than we actually can. And we're not like doing these things that are like damaging the beauty of the world. Or, like, like, I think there's a level of like, yeah, maybe there's like the, maybe back to your art question of like, why don't people, culture doesn't care about art. I'm like, well, maybe that's also goes hand in why people don't care about cult, uh, climate change in some ways mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. they don't care about art. Mm -hmm. And those things are so, yeah, there's a level of like, they're really tied together. If you look at mm -hmm. the beauty piece, right. Mm -hmm. It's like the, like maybe beauty doesn't matter, but like maybe beauty yeah. matters a lot. And I yeah. am like of the opinion it matters a lot, yeah. but I think not everyone thinks that way. Like, what can I? Absolutely. Yeah. Your, uh, your three-legged stool of the, uh, you know, truth, mm -hmm. beauty, goodness. Yeah. Right. And, uh, take away, take away the beauty. The stool falls over. You've only got two. You can't sit on it anymore. Yeah. So... Uh, Balthazar said, right, well, if you tick off beauty, she takes the other two with her and you end up with none. Oh, that's so interesting. I feel like I need to put that in my common, I have a commonplace book. I'm like, now I want to quote that. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Who makes, said that? 
uh, Urs von Balthasar. Okay. He's a, a Catholic theologian. Okay. He's got like a, I'm making this up, but let's say like a 36 volume treatise on beauty. Like it's over the top. Okay. But um, anyway, there's a good line for you. Okay, great. Now I'm going to have to go read a treatise for 36 volumes. <laughs> uh, let's just say, it's, let's just say he's a, he's a deep one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, well, we do have to, to end because uh, we could be here for a while, as it turns out. I feel like we have a lot to talk about. There's yeah. so much. Um, but I hope that, yeah, this will be helpful to our listeners because it was really helpful to me. Um, and thank you so much, uh, Professor Irish, for coming <laughs> on. <laughs> it's <laughs> my, my, my deep pleasure. This is very fun. Yeah, this was great. Great. Thanks, uh, everyone, for watching. And join us next time for more uh, ideas and uh stories where we just look into the mysteries and exciting parts of the world. Thank you so much. <laughs>